Holy Hour of Power, the Terry and Jesse Show. The month of June is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. In 1693, Sister Margaret Mary Alacoque had the first of four visions with his Sacred Heart exposed, burning with love for his people. Let's consecrate ourselves, our families, to the Sacred Heart of Jesus this month and place or hang an image of the Sacred Heart in our homes. This, uh, this indicates and reminds us that Jesus Christ is King and Lord of our homes, our marriages, and our families. Let's not forget that. Terry, I'm on duty. What about you? Waiting for my partner, Terry, to come on in. Okay, just want to mention that uh, this uh, tomorrow, Saturday, got good things happening all over the country. Uh, 4,000 New Yorkers, New York Catholics, they uh, were processing with the Blessed Sacrament in the streets of New York. It's all over social media. That's a definitely a good news item. Catholics are responding to the month of June because we don't believe it's Pride Month. We believe it's a month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We don't believe it's Pride Month. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins. Tomorrow, uh, on Saturday, we're gonna, they're going to have the, the annual men's prayer rally. It's going to be... Hundreds of men will meet tomorrow at 9 a.m. on Saturday, June 3rd, outside of the Planned Parenthood Center on Central Avenue. It's going to be led by uh, by our our our, uh, our good friend out there, uh, Jim Havens, the co-founder of the National Men's March. So if you want to attend, go to mensmarch.com, mensmarch.com. Terry, I'm on duty. What about you, buddy? I'm on duty, brother, and I'm I'm doing it from home. So thanks, Jess. And- we got a great show ahead of us. Uh, we're going to be talking about a cardinal on the East Coast. Believe it or not, he's urging the faithful to forego the Second Amendment. What, in other words, they want everybody to turn his guns in as a good Catholic. I, I'm going to quote the catechism to uh, show that maybe he didn't read that section there because I think he's all wet on that. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about a warning to the church in, Mer- in America, not from the bishops, but from our Protestant brothers and the guy's spot on. He's using scripture and, and basically saying that we need to make a stand as a church and not just wimp under the woke culture. So I think that's important. But Jess, I got some good to know files, or I should say good news here. 4,000 people came out last week in New York City yes. for a Eucharistic procession chatting. The theme was New York City belongs to Jesus Christ. So, I mean, I thought every square inch of the universe but is, is belongs to Jesus Christ. Christ the King shall live. So I thought that was a good sign. I'm, I want to give them kudos for that. Also, Jesse, the battle is heating up. Bud Light doubles down and donates $200,000 to the LGBT activists. Hey, you want to make, well, are we going to respond and donate some money to the planned march at the, um, at the Dodger Stadium there that we're having? If you want, make your donation to, uh, to Virgin Most Powerful. We're putting in equipment and putting a lot of energy into this project. So uh, Bud Light, yeah, sure, they know they're losing money, but they're still donating to a losing cause, the LGBT activist group. Also, just a quick note, Jesse, in Uganda, down in, Afri- in Africa, students are protesting the Biden administration is threatening to cut aid over new anti-sodomy laws. They don't want to allow homosexuality to be legalized in their country. And our president, I didn't vote for him. He's trying to say, you're not going to get money unless you go along with us. Last one, and I'll turn it to you, Jess. 
Bishop Mark Hogeman, he's a bishop in Canada. Are you ready for this? Kudos to him. He's supporting his local Catholic school because they're boycotting the rainbow flag for supporting homosexuality. And they're boycotting corporations that promote radical LGBT agenda. And the bishop's saying, good job on your Catholic identity. I, I, is this microphone on? Where's all the other bishops? But this man did the right thing, Jess. Absolutely. Uh, you you may have also seen that the LA Dodgers they're uh, they're they plan on honoring on June sixteenth. That's where we're going to be doing a prayerful, peaceful pilgrimage to Dodger Stadium from the LA Cathedral because they want to honor homosexual men who are mocking nuns. They call themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and this is a mockery against our Lord Jesus Christ and our Catholic faith. Thankfully, the California bishops have condemned this action in a statement, but now a California state Democrat senator has invited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, these homosexual men, to be honored on the floor of the California state capitol on Monday, June 5th. Wow. So the, the Democrat state Senate is encouraging the ridicule of our Catholic faith and in a particular way, Mocking religious sisters who sacrificed their lives as the brides of Christ. This is unacceptable. So I'm asking you to join Bishop Jaime Soto and women religious and our evangelical brothers and sisters for an ecumenical prayer vigil. That's going to be on Monday, June, June 5th, 2 p.m., California State Capitol on the West Steps. The event's tone is not political or confrontational, but meant to be peaceful, hopeful, and honoring of the credible work that the religious sisters have done for so many years in California. As a witness to the beauty of our Catholic faith, please bring rosaries and leave protest signs at home. Uh, that's according to Bishop Jaime Soto's office. Yep. Terry, oh, that's great news, Jess. Yeah. Anything else before we get some soul food? Uh, that's it, Terry. But we're lining up for yeah. a big spiritual battle, reparation, atonement. Wow. Let's get some soul food in our soul, Jess. And by the way, we're going to have banners made by American East Fatima. Good. Appropriate, appropriate banners for the event so that we can carry. And Good. the Catholic vote is making also hundreds of uh, posters that Good. people can carry individually. So we're going to have appropriate uh, messaging so that we let the, uh, the culture of death know exactly what we Catholics feel. Speak, Lord, your servants listening. And by the way, today, Friday, uh, St. Marcellinus and, and Peter. Uh, and it's first uh, Saturday, also. First and the, Friday. And first, first Friday Saturday of the month as well. Mark. Yep. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple area. He looked around at everything, and since it was already late, went out to Bethany with the twelve. By the way, Bethany's were his best friends. Uh, Lazarus and, and Martha and, and Mary lived. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, he was hungry. Seen from a distance, a fig, tree in le a fig tree in leaf, he went over to see if he could find anything on it. But when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. It was not the time for figs. And he said to it in reply, may no one ever eat of your fruit again. And his disciples heard it. They came to Jerusalem, and on entering the temple area, he began to drive off those selling and buying, and buying there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. 
He did not permit anyone to carry anything through the temple area. Then he taught them saying, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people, but you have made it a den of thieves. The chief priests and the scribes came to hear it and were seeking a way to put him to death. Yet they feared him because the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. When evening came and they went out to the city early in the morning as they were walking along, they saw a fig tree withered to its roots. Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus said to them in reply, have faith in God. Amen. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen. It shall be done for him. Therefore, I tell you all that you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it shall be yours. When you stand to pray, forgive anyone against whom you have a grievance so that your heavenly father may in turn forgive you your transgressions, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just one thing I just want to mention about this. There's a whole lot, a lot to mention uh, in this topic, but about the fig tree, the fig tree is a traditional symbol of Israel back in the book of Jeremiah chapter eight, verse 13 and Hosea chapter nine, verse 10. It's a reference to Israel. And so the importance of this statement by our Lord, people say, okay, what's he talking about? What he's doing, he's underscoring what's most evident about Israel. What does he mean? That it has yet to bear the fruits of repentance. It has yet to bear the, the fruits to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. So when Jesus curses this fig tree, this withering and the death of the tree, it's a visible prophecy of the doom that awaits Jerusalem and the unbelieving Jews for murdering the Messiah. And the same point is made in the following episode when Jesus topples the commercial uh, stations that are set up in the temple. What he's doing there, it's a, it's a foreshadowing, it's a forewarning of what's going to happen to that temple in 40 years. It will be utterly destroyed because uh, they reject the Messiah. They reject the anointed one that God the Father has sent to the world. Terry? Yes, this scripture verse has a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot to it there. No, there's a lot to it, and I'm glad you, you covered that because, um, yeah, there, there's there's so much in it. So thank you for that. When we come back, uh, yeah, we'll get Fulton Sheen's quote when we come back, but we're also going to talk about what the Catholic Church has to say about self-defense based on a cardinal on the East Coast in New Jersey urging the faithful to forgo their Second Amendment. And that's what we're going to cover when we come back. And I want to show you that... The Catholic Church is going to show you with the Catechism verse that we have an obligation to defend our family. And if that means stopping the aggressor with a firearm, so be it. Because they were going to hurt mom, kids, dad, step up to the plate. We'll stay. We'll be back with more after a quick break, family. Terry and Jesse show. Jess, I'm going to forego Sheen. I'll just say, uh, well, let's bring Sheen in just for a minute. The smartest guy in the room, Fulton J. Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. It's Friday. Without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. So let's keep that in mind in our penance. Jess, New York Cardinal Joseph Tobin has launched an appeal to Catholics 
to voluntarily forego their Second Amendment rights by refusing to bear arms. Uh, Jesse, how does that square with what the church teaches? And I might add the facts about violence with guns. Do guns kill people or do people kill people? That, that's my question to ask. But I want to, you've had a police background for over 20 years. Uh, give us your take on this statement by the Cardinal because he's concerned about the recent mass shootings that are, seem like be going all over a whole country. And he thinks the solution is to take guns away. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'll throw it in your, and you're, you're more of an expert on this topic. Well, it, it goes against the catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2263. Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, yeah, the, the self-defense is clearly stated as part of the Catholic teaching and the catechism. In fact, can you read it, Terry? I sure can. Let me yeah. open her up. 23, hang on. 2263. I got it. 2263. Legitimate defense of persons and societies is not an exception to the prohibition against the murder of the innocent. That constitutes intentional killing. The act of self-defense can have a double effect, the preservation of one's own life and the killing of the aggressor. The one is, in, is, is intended, the other is not. But Jesse, that quote, the, the quote that I even like better is 2265, where it says legitimate defense cannot be only a right, but a grave duty yes. for one who is responsible for the lives of others. Jesse, as far as I know, a dad, a husband, we're responsible for our wife and our children, okay? No one's going to take that responsibility away. The catechism says the defense of the common good requires that an unjust aggressor be rendered unable to cause harm. For this reason, those who legitimately hold authority to have, have to also have the right to use arms to repel aggressors against civil community entrusted to their responsibility. Your also, you can see that in uh, a third of our U.S. military, in all four, on all four branches of the service, a third of the U.S. military are Roman Catholics. They have Roman Catholic dog tags. Guess what? They're trained in weapons. They use weapons. And the church hasn't excommunicated them, obviously, because there's nothing lawful about using weapons in self-defense. That's why none of the soldiers... A third of the soldiers and the U.S. armed forces are Roman Catholic Christian. They're not excommunicated because the church understands the just war doctrine and, this, and the doctrine of self-defense. In fact, Cardinal Tobin, maybe he doesn't know this, that the Catholic Church even has a patron saint of shooters. Did you know that, Cardinal Tobin? His name is Saint Gabriel Pacenti. He's the patron saint of shooters, people that use guns. Now, here, here's what's sad to me, Terry. I don't oh. know why, why the New York Cardinal Joseph Tobin, why is he stepping into the Second Amendment? His job is to teach, govern, and sanctify those things that have to do with faith and morals. Uh, he's stepping into political policy. Guess what, Terry? It's, he's out of his league. He's outside his lane. He's outside yep. his lane. That's not his area of expertise. Yep. Uh, his area of expertise is supposed to be Catholic teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you said, Terry, guns don't kill people. People kill people. And if you want the facts on that, and I know oh, for yep. being it from, it's, it, you know who usually kills other people? Godless, secular, humanist, woke leftists usually kill other people. 
you're going to very rarely, rarely find, rarely, a daily mass, daily rosary, brown scapular wearing Catholic uh, killing another person. That is going to happen once in your lifetime. It's usually godless, woke, liberal, secular humanist people that kill other people. And finally, um, Tobin doesn't speak with any authority on this issue at all. He's not a Second Amendment expert. He's not a political you know, policymaker. Uh, if, if, if we listen to Cardinal Tobin, just think about this. All yeah. you people, all you Catholics in Newark, y'all get rid of your guns, okay? You, you go and incinerate them and or turn them into the police department. So every Catholic in Newark or everybody in Newark now relinquishes their guns. Well, guess what? What's the obvious? Who are the only people that are going to have guns? Bad guys. Rip- criminals and then they say hey everybody in new york has doesn't have a gun because this cardinal told everybody to get rid of their guns and they all listen to him so every person would be open red meat open prey for these wolves that would all have guns and also you know who else would have guns the government and i don't know about you if you're okay with only i don't know law enforcement the fbi uh cia uh, the IRS, if only they have guns, but not the citizenry, would you be comfortable with that? I sure wouldn't, Terry. I won't either. Yeah, Jesse, he's out of his lane. And, and again, um, it's a moral obligation. I want to encourage this. The catechism makes it very clear that dads, we all have a, a moral obligation to defend our family. I'll just give a practical application of this. Some bad guy comes into your home, the Romero home, and is wanting to do harm to Anita and your kids. When they were young, you had that situation where you lived. Yeah. And, you know, it could it could easily have happened in Southern California. So, you know, some guy comes in with a firearm and he's going to break in and do harm to your family. What are you going to negotiate with him? Are you going to accompany him? That doesn't work, Jess. Accompaniment doesn't work. What happens is you need proportionate measures to stop the aggressor. And if that means pulling out your firearm to protect your wife and family you're obligated to do that i can't make it any simpler yeah and the church's teachings on self-defense are from paragraph 2263 to 2265 i'll repeat it again 2263 to 2265 the church's teachings on self-defense in fact uh Catholic men especially have a duty and a positive obligation to defend their family to the point of deadly force if necessary. That's Catholic teaching. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. It says this, quote, If anyone does not provide for his own relatives, and especially for his own family, he has disowned the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Close quote. So what does that mean? It means that a Catholic man is called to protect and provide for his family spiritually and physically. Both spiritually and physically. And this is why our Lord, He knows that there's a time for self-defense. There's a time to take action, uh, even using using weapons uh, in proportionate force uh, for the occasion. And I'll give you an example. In John chapter 18, verses 10 to 11, our Lord Jesus Christ orders Peter to put the sword into its sheath. 
I'll tell you why, because it wasn't the time. He didn't want to be defended. He knew he had to be arrested and he had to go on his passion to Calvary. So he said, Peter, put your sword away. But that doesn't mean to put your sword away forever. Because that would have contradicted what our Lord told his apostles only two hours before. In Luke chapter 22, verse 36, two hours before his arrest, he tells the apostles, quote, and let him who has no sword sell his mantle and buy one, close quote. So you think our Lord is telling the apostles to buy a sword just for decoration, like for Halloween? No, the Bible says in Romans chapter 13, verse four, this is why a sword is used. Here it is, quote, he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. He is a servant of God to execute his wrath on the wrongdoer. Close quote. Notice the sword is allowed to be used for self-defense purposes, especially by law enforcement and especially for the military. And somebody will say, well, that's in the, that's in the Old and New Testament. That doesn't apply anymore, Jess. That's New Testament theology 2,000 years ago. No, well... I would quote to you Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, where it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. Remember, God has given us the government and even weapons in Romans 12, 19 to resist and to thwart an attack. That's not to be confused with taking vengeance, uh, which is that's the exclusive domain of God. It's for self-defense purposes to defend our family, defend our faith, much like Moses defended his people uh, by killing an, an Egyptian guard who was abusing Jewish slaves, and much like David killed Goliath in that famous battle in 1 Samuel 17, and much like Joshua and Caleb also killed their enemies and Gideon during war. Why? Because it was, it was they, they did it in self-defense using the proportion of force necessary to defend the Israelites. And I would just add St. Thomas Aquinas' teaching on the just war theory that's right in the catechism today, okay? That's another explanation of the church saying, hey, when an unjust aggressor even attacks a country, the country has a right to defend itself. See, the, what I see here is that the cardinal is get making it so that uh, a potential family member, if he if they implement what he said to do, this this could be his way of not being able to protect his wife and family, and he could be murdered, the children could be murdered by this unjust aggressor if he didn't have his weapon because he gave it to the police because the cardinal said turn it in. That's potentially what could happen in his diocese, and I'm going to say it right up front. I wouldn't want to be connected to that. Uh, connection that, you know, I told this this Catholic man to get rid of his gun so he couldn't defend his family. That very well could happen. So that's why I'm speaking out like I am, because I actually believe that the Second Amendment, I also believe the Catholic Church's teaching is that we have this moral obligation to defend our family, and I hope you do too. Cardinal Tolman should stick to teaching the Catholic faith, yep. not and not modernism. Uh, he, he's He's way out of his lane, to give us political gun policy regulations. He doesn't know the first thing about this. Uh, and, and also, uh, President Trump, in a related story, yeah. he, he said a while back ago, school shootings are a spiritual problem, not a gun wow. problem. He nailed it. Uh, he, Terry, he's spot on. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what I would expect a Catholic bishop or cardinal to say. But it took a Protestant former president uh, to, to, to speak the truth to power. He says school. Trump says school shootings are a spiritual problem, not yeah. a gun problem. I wish Tobin would have said that because that's a fact. It is yeah. a spiritual problem. It's the malformed conscience that lacks friendship with God, that lives in mortal sin, that whose intellect is darkened, whose will is weakened by a life of sin. They don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, so their conscience is malformed, and so they follow their emotions and passions. That's a spiritual problem. You know what? That's the problem. Who's influencing who? Is the church influencing the world or is the world influencing the church? This is an example of the world influencing the church with a worldly view. When we come back, a warning to the church in America from a pastor here at the United States. Don't miss Powerful. Be with us. Be back in a moment. We're back on, Brother Jess. Wow. Yeah. Terry, this article was written back in 2013, and it was written by a Protestant pastor. It's prophetic, Terry. It is, because it, it goes right through it all. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it, this is worth sharing with the, the entire audience. It, two, this was written 10 years ago. Yeah, but he was spot on. Yeah. He says this. His name is Pastor Scott. I have hesitated about publishing this article because its tone is so dire and so few in the church are ready to receive it. (laughs) However, just a few days after I wrote it, Alan Chambers shut down Exodus International. That was like the the Protestant version of of, of, uh, uh, courage. Courage. Yeah. So uh, he goes, uh, Alan Chambers shut down Exodus International and publicly announced his embrace of the same gay theology I warn about in the article. I have taken that as a sign. I should release this now. In a few days, the Supreme Court will announce that, well, that already happened, will announce its ruling on at least one of the homosexual cases now before it. Well, that already happened. It it passed. He says, I'm predicting that we'll lose at least one of them. And we did. Probably both. And my guess is the results will be announced on Friday, June 28th. And they were. That is Gay Pride Day, the anniversary of the Stonewall riots in which the homosexual movement shifted its goal from the right to be left alone to absolute control of American culture. That's where we're at right now. Yep. It was the birth of homofascism in this nation. If the latter prediction comes true, it will be an indication that SCOTUS, the U.S. Supreme Court, is which is which is now under their control. That was back in 2013. Uh it will be the symbolic equivalent to the lowering of the American flag and replacing it with the rainbow flag. By the way, this has happened. I just read an article that over in the Vatican, in the U.S. Embassy, the U.S. Embassy in the Vatican, they've put the rainbow flag on the U.S. Embassy over the American flag. So this pastor here, this Protestant pastor, what he said in 2013 is happening right now in the Vatican, in the U.S. Embassy section. Yep. He says... It is possible, though, not likely, they will actually fly the rainbow flag on the court on that day. They do, they do so love to gloat. However, the warning below applies even if we win both cases. The only question is how fast their army will move against us. If we lose one or both cases, and we lost both, by the way, it will be pedal to the metal, just like the drive for gay marriage after Lawrence versus Texas. 
if we do win one of the cases, my guess it will be Doma. I think Justice Ginberg's comments last month about Roe versus Wade having been a bad ruling because the country wasn't quite ready for it may have been to telegraph a message to the leftist elite that the court was not going to strike down DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act. We'll see soon. One last comment. He says, in my reading of the Bible, these things must take place before the return of the Lord. So I'm not discouraged, but encouraged. Like a woman going into labor, I'm looking past the pain to the blessing that follows. Now he gets into the meat of the article, Terry. And here's where it's good. Before he does this, Jesse, let me just back him up some scripture. He's going to quote it, but Romans chapter one, verse 24 says, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, Mm. because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Okay. Next pair. Next one. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men, that's homosexual, and receiving in their own person the due penalty for their error. Now, yes, that's the Bible. That's the biblical worldview. I realize Father James Martin and others in the Catholic Church, they said this. The Bible's wrong, Jesse. That that's yeah. antiquated, and I've heard right. cardinals say that. Guess what? They're wrong. Exactly. The Word of God is higher than any cardinal, pope, or priest. And I think it's time to call them out and say, have a world biblical view rather than a worldly view. All right, let's continue with the article. Okay, here it goes, boy, and it gets good. It's called yes. a war- a warning to the church in America. This is from, yeah, this is from Dr. Scott Lively, President, Defend the Family International. Okay, he says this. You may have heard of me. I'm the pastor being sued in U.S. federal court for crimes against humanity for preaching against homosexuality in Uganda. But I am really a canary in the coal mine with a warning for every Bible-believing Christian in our land, especially pastors and ministry leaders. The American church is about to come under spiritual and cultural warfare, the likes of which we have never seen and which most are not prepared for. The attacks will come from every corner of the secular world to challenge, condemn, and punish us for our beliefs about homosexuality. These attacks will split denominations, congregations, and even Christian families to a degree and with an intensity that will shock even those who have experienced the first ripples of gay conflict in the church over the past few decades. Large numbers of self-identified Christians will begin embracing the so-called gay theology, and some will actually join the attacks against the remnant who stand firm on the truth. That's us, the remnant. (laughs) The pressure to give in to escape the psychological and sometimes physical persecution of the Christian homophobes will be so great that I believe a majority of churchgoers will succumb. Yep. I agree I agree with them. And a great many pastors will choose to change with the times so as to not lose their church. Terry, you want to take the next He's spot on. Yes, the collapse of the Christian infrastructure of America is in my opinion already in progress, irreversible because it is part of God's judgment. Yep. The end times revival, which many, including myself, expect and eagerly await, 
will not stop this collapse, but will in fact hasten it by a strengthening of the remnant of their obedience to Christ by hardening the world and fallen Christians against us. This crisis will be so pervasive that no one will be... <laughs> this is kind of a quote from the catechism, Jess, that we always quote. He, he isn't quoting it, but the catechism says this well, before the end times. No one will be spared. Choices of embracing or rejecting mm. biblical truth is this topic. The whole purpose of this trial is to test the strength of the believers to endure, to endure greater troubles ahead. Just continue with it. This guy, is he doesn't realize he's giving us what a Catholic viewpoint is. Continue. Yes. We shouldn't be surprised that God is using this issue as our test. Mm -hmm. A careful examination of his word shows that open homosexuality in the Bible is symbolic of extreme rebellion yep. against God leading to judgment. Thus, unique in all of Scripture, Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed by fire and brimstone, as, exempl as exemplar of God's wrath, mentioned in 2 Peter 2.6, Jude 1.7, Genesis 19.1-12. Male-on-male sodomy is listed as the most heinous sin on the short list of sins which caused the land to vomit out the Canaanites from the territory promised to Abraham in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 1-30, especially verse 22. And both wow. male and female homosexuals or homosexuality are together identified as ex ex the exemplar uh, of the depraved or reprobate mind that defines the age of apostasy leading to Christ's return. And Terry just quoted that in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. And yep. this is also mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Wow. Now, How about Noah's flood, Jess? Noah's flood was preceded by the marrying and given in marriage, mentioned in Matthew 24, verse 37 to 40, of people whose thoughts were only evil continually, the Bible says, quote, only evil continually, close quote, Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. This is evidence which the ancient Hebrew scholars interpreted as gay marriage. The yep. final insult to God, which unleashed the deluge, the flood upon the earth, and in the final book of the Bible, just prior to the return of Christ, uh, to judge and make war against his enemies, as is described in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, Jerusalem, now here, here's Protestant eschatology, here's one thing that, uh, no, we don't. that we don't know about this, but he says this, he goes, Jerusalem under the Antichrist is mystically called Sodom in Egypt, signifying its essential association he says, I believe with homosexuality and Islam respectively. That's his exegesis of Romans, cha Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 to 8. But even 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 11, the ex-gay passage he writes proves that proves that healed and recovered homosexuals were a part of the church from, the, from its earliest days warns that unrepentant homosexuals will not enter the kingdom of heaven. There's no room, even when we emphasize compassion for homosexual sufferers, to, con to condone homosexual relationships, or worse, to claim that homosexuality is blessed by God as a normal, intended variant of human sexuality. Terry, this is, uh, this is, this is just well, a, 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 way too far. This exceeds well, the bounds of the New Testament, Terry. 
And Jesse, it's just false compassion. And we have a yeah. lot of that in the church today. Yeah. Unfortunately, the concern is accompaniment. And accompaniment mm. with sin doesn't get you to heaven. He writes, my life's work has been to stand against the increasingly successful assault of the homosexual movement on biblical values in our society and around the world. Mm-hmm. My nearly 25 years of full-time frontlines ministry on this battlefield has given me special insights and understanding of this issue. My refusal to be silenced by a long series of increasingly more dishonest and aggressive attacks on my work and reputation has familiarized me both with persecution and with the tactical playbook of the gay movement. I am thus issuing my warning to the church, not so much as a prophecy, though it is confirmed in my spirit, but as the natural conclusion of deductive reasoning by a frontline's analyst with a unique vantage point. In support of that conclusion, I offer the following observation. Let's stop right there because we're going to take a quick break and continue because what he said about the playbook, he is spot Man. on. Because we witness it right now in 2023. What is that? Ten years later, he, things that he said are taking place. And this is why it's important to come back to this article. And he's going to talk about something that took place back in 1969 regarding the homosexual movement. And we'll talk more about that when we come right back on the Harry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back, Jesse. What took place on June 28, 1969 regarding the homosexual movement? Go ahead, Terry. You can share it. Go ahead, brother. All right, I'm going to do it. And, yep. and it's the goal of the American homosexual movement shifted from tolerance, mm-hmm. the right to be the left alone, that's what they had wanted to control the complete restructuring of society in its own image with mm. homosexuals or their surrogates uh, in all seats of power. Its tactics shifted from civil dialogue to implacable militancy. That was the date of the Stonewall riot that Jess has been talking about for years in New York City. Today celebrated annually as they call it Gay Pride Day. No, Homosexual Pride Day. Logically, this movement cannot archive its goal without replacing the biblical social ethic of marriage based on heterosexual monogamy and the natural family with its own philosophy of unlimited, are you ready? Yep, sexual freedom, which in its reality is a moral anarchy. anarchy, Excuse me. In short, the true and the necessary goal of the homosexual movement is the defeat of Christianity. There it now, is. He said it. That's it, Terry. He said it. They want to get rid See, this is yeah. why this, yeah. they're, they're working so hard. And this is why we need people to come out on June 16th to make a stand with the Dodger Stadium because Christians need to stop being quiet. We have to voice our voices by standing up for what God's biblical view is on marriage. That's right. Second, he writes, in the space of just 40 years, homosexual militants have defeated every secular institution in their path in the United States. The first to fall was the American Psychiatric Association in 1973 when he writes gay activists using brown shirt, Hitler's brown shirt tactics of disruption and intimidation. They forced the American Psychological Association to remove homosexuality from its list of mental disorders 
in its diagnostic and statistical manual number four. That's like the Bible for psychiatrists. Incredible. Most, yeah. He writes, this article is in back in 2013, remember. The most yep. recent and final secular institution to fall was the Boy Scouts of America in 2013, when the Boy Scouts of America's leadership voted to allow openly self-declared homosexual boys into the organization. The next to last entity to fall was the U.S. military. In both cases, the first news following the capitulation was of uniformed members of each organization marching triumphantly in gay pride parades. Sick, man. Now, Sick. something that something that's not in the article, because that was yeah. two years after this article was written, yeah. June 26, 2015, that was a major milestone for the homosexual movement in the U.S. Obama. Yeah. yeah, because the Supreme Court, they announced their decision, Obergfell versus Hodges. Yeah. So by one vote only, the Supreme Court ruled that so-called same-sex marriage cannot be banned in the United States and that all same-sex marriages must be recognized nationwide in all 50 states, uh, finally granting homosexuals equal rights to heterosexual couples under the law. So that's not in the article. Continue, Terry. What's the third point he makes? Oh, you go ahead, Jesse. Okay. I, I, yeah, Third, the gays have always intended, he writes, to attack the church in the final stage of their conquest of our culture. Yep. As early as 1987, they openly admitted this plan in an article called The Overhauling of Straight America, which later became the basis for the book After the Ball, which has, which has ever since been the primary strategic blueprint of the homosexual movement. Here's what they wrote, quote, when conservative churches condemn gays, we can use talk to muddy the moral waters. This means publicizing support for gays uh, by more moderate churches, raising theological objections of our own about conservative interpretations of biblical teachings and exposing hatred and inconsistency. Second, we can undermine the moral authority of homophobic churches by portraying them as antiquated backwaters, badly out of step with the times and with the latest findings of psychology. Against the mighty pull of institutional religion, we must set the mightier draw of science and public opinion, the shield and sword of that accursed secular humanism. Such an unholy alliance has worked well against churches before on such topics as divorce and abortion. At a later stage, it will be time to get through It'll be, it'll be time to get tough with remaining opponents. To be blunt, they must be vilified. You know, Jesse, his article is saying it really this quite guy's, frankly. This guy's a prophet, yeah. Terry, a he political is, is. prophet. Oh, yeah. No, he's spot on. And again, we have to take that in our church. We've got people in the Catholic Church trying to change the perennial teachings of the church on homosexuality. Cardinals. It's just sad. But he says, frankly... Even at this late stage of the game, much of the church seems to be still asleep. Oh, yeah. Or deny about the culture, about the state of our culture. Even many conservative Christian leaders who are awake to the seriousness of the crisis are only dimly aware that the cultural war is at its foundation, is and always been a winner-take-all contest between Christians and homosexual activists. Now, that the last secular barrier to the homosexual agenda has been crushed, all their weapons and all their warriors will be focused on the last remaining obstacle 
to their power, the Christian church. That's why the attack is on the churches. Next, what's in the coming up next, he says, Jess? Yeah, what what, what comes next is a full-on homosexual uh, blitzrig, which means an assault, uh, homosexual assault against homophobia and hatred in the church, and a concurrent culture-wide advocacy of gay theology. Gone, of course, will be all the concern for the separation of church and state as the secular powers work hand-in-hand with the gays to shame and correct the Bible-believing church. Using scripture that has been deviously twisted to fit their goals, the only defense will be biblical literacy backed unshakable faith. To be blunt, we will be all we will all be all vilified, and only the strong of faith will endure. Yep. To be sure, one's view of homosexuality is not necessarily a salvation issue, but one's ability to cling to Christ through persecution may well be. A person too spiritually weak or cowardly to defend biblical truth on such a clear and fundamental teaching, be strong enough to resist the mark of the beast. Of course they won't. During a time of testing, such as we are entering, the prophet Jeremiah put it this way, quote, If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses if you fall down in a land of peace? How will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? Close quote. Yeah, he, he it, says yeah. it might be a not it, it might not be noticeable now, but their campaign has been launched and will steadily increase in breath. We've seen it. I mean, this is 10 years later. You bet it is. He said, here is Jesse. He uses the word remnant. Be prepared to share this warning. Then, Jesse, this is what we're doing. We're not uh, homophobic. We're sinphobic, Jesse. Right. Come on, man. It, we love we love people who uh, are uh, that that have a sin in their life and because we want to love them with the truth to say turn away from sin and accept the gospel and the gospel is what's going to set the homosexual movement free it's not you know uh, all politics no we have it because we love them enough to tell them the truth and it's about time that we as a church stop beating around the bush and just call it for what it is it's sinful behavior. God, it, it cries out from heaven. We want these people to get to heaven. Or on the other hand, we can say, hey, go ahead, Jesse, let them sin. Do what you want. But I don't think that's the love Jesus Christ had. His love was he went out and picked up sinners, and he told them to repent and believe in the gospel. And that's what we're doing. We're following the Lord Jesus Christ's example. We're not homophobic. We're sinophobic. That's right. And uh, because t- hating anybody goes against our Catholic faith. That's right. Our Catholic faith has taught us all our life that we can't hate anybody. I have have a homosexual uncle, uh, in-laws, nephews, and nieces. I love them to pieces. And I love these sinners, but I reject the sin. And And because we love everybody, we don't want people to embrace practices that are physically and spiritually harmful to themselves. That's true love, Jess. Yes. That is. The practice of homosexuality goes against... Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and the natural law. Bedrock has been the marriage has been the bedrock uh, of, of 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 Western civilization for thousands of years. This is what it stabilizes it stabilizes society and countries and 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 America is made up of, of people of goodwill who seek the common good. And so, personally, any practice that shortens a person's life. Any practice that shortens human life, like drug abuse, 
alcohol abuse, gang membership, and homosexuality are lifestyles that are inherently dangerous to somebody. And so this is why we don't condone them. Many people that are, that are heterosexual and homosexual as well, they wrestle with disordered appetites and desires. We can harness these disordered desires through prayer, through the sacraments, through yeah. a relationship with Jesus Christ. He'll give you the, the grace to, of self-control and chastity. You know, when I look at the, obituary, the obituaries around the country, I've never seen an obituary that says that somebody has died as a result of being chaste or sexually pure. Never. Yeah. And, you know, Father Bill Casey gave us this advice. He said the most merciless thing you can do to someone is to let them wallow in their sin. And this is what I see going on. If we are followers of Christ, we have to speak the truth to these people and not say, oh, well, you know, everybody's free to do what they want. Yeah, they're free to do what they want. I agree with you. Okay, yeah, you have free will. But why not persuade them to follow God's will? Because that's how they get to heaven. You know, this old idea of the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. I see that happening in our culture. And we can't say, oh, well, that's your opinion. You can, you know, worship yourself. No, we have to go out, even if it means some penance and, and some uh, attacks, you know, spiritually honestly, you know, they're going to yell at us. So they're going to say, you guys are homophobic or whatever. So, you know what? That's not us. And we'll even say that we're xenophobic. We want you to get to heaven. We love you enough to tell you the truth. Jess Romero, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's live a clean, pure life in a friendship with God in a state of sanctifying grace. Let us flee sin. Let us run from mortal sin. Let's not live in a state of mortal sin. And Catholics, get holy or die trying. Do not be afraid, only believe. We're on the winning team. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. Terry. I love it, Jess. I love when you quote Romans. That's right. And that's what gives us confidence to know we need to share the gospel. And Our Lady said it. Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. This is First Friday, First Saturday coming up tomorrow. We have Mass at our chapel. I hope you can get the confession, go to Mass, pray your rosary, because Our Lady said that our prayers can help souls get to heaven and our sacrifices. We can unite it with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. Sign me up. I don't care if you're four years old or 104. We all can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. Speak the truth in charity. Thanks again yeah. for joining us. Up next, The Bible with the Barbers. Thanks so much.